I have a pet peeve when it comes to my friends, like something that really upsets me. If I'm with a friend and they see something caught in my teeth or a stain on my shirt and they don't tell me, I get really mad. I go, when they, and it's usually it'll happen, right? Like if it happens, it'll happen like after the dinner and they'll whisper to me, hey, by the way, you got something caught in their teeth. And I'll go, by the way, when did you notice that? They go, I don't know, maybe an hour ago. It's like, you should have told me then. True story. I'm up on this very stage. I am preaching, and the, the topic is worship. We're talking about what it means to worship God. I put up uh, on a screen uh, a Michael Jackson concert where people are losing their minds, right? Some of you young people go, Michael who? Yeah, Michael Jackson. He was a big deal in the 80s, and he was, like, amazing. And they were, like, losing their minds and fainting and all that other stuff, and I was trying. And the, the whole point was that, you know, that's worship. That's real worship. Well, the whole time, uh, my zipper was down. And so I went to the side to show, and I had a dear friend, a dear friend, Rick Moses. Love him till this day. He goes up to me. Rick Moses is like six foot five. He's like, um, yo, big dog. <laughs> That's exactly how he came up to me. He goes, uh, yo, big dog, um, you want to zip your zipper? And I was like, what? One person. There's like 150 people here. One person wanted to tell me that. Do you think I wanted to go through the rest of the service like that? Of course not, right? Because nobody wants to go on with something that they can't see in themselves that will make them either feel or look or present in a way that is not what they want to present, right? If that's true about silly things like, you know, spinach stuck between your teeth or, you know, not having a button uh, buttoned or something like that. If that's true about that, what about sin? You know what I mean when I say sin, right? Sin is those things that sometimes you find yourself doing that don't pay off, but you think that they will. Sin is that thing that God has a will for your life, but then you have a will for your life and you go with yours rather than God's. Sin is that thing that you do despite other people telling you this is going to end up really really bad. Spinach, funny. Some sin. Oh, not so funny. Today, we're going to continue in our series. In this series, we've been talking about how God deals with us after we sin. You know how God addresses us after we sin? And so we see that God is merciful. We see that God is kind. We see that God is welcoming. We see that God cleanses. We see that God transforms. We see that God leads us to repentance. We also see that when God leads us to repentance, he um, uh, rene uh, revolutionizes our thinking and our heart. And Now, today, what we're going to talk about is not how God deals with us or even how we deal with God after we sin. We're going to talk about how to deal with our friends when they sin. Let me tell you why this is important. This is important because every one of us want deeper and deeper friendship. We want deeper intimacy with those around us. None of us want to be an island of ourselves. And if you want that, trust me, when you get on in life, you won't want that. Nobody wants to die alone, right? That's, like a, that's the scariest thing for a lot of people. Well, 
In order for us to deepen in those friendships, we're going to have to be able to tell the truth to each other. And we're going to have to be real friends. And if it's embarrassing for me to, uh, for you to let me walk around with uh, spinach in my teeth, it's horrible for you to know that there's something in my life that needs to be addressed that you won't share about. Now, this is important because let me tell you why. Your marriage depends on it. Your marriage depends on how you do that. Some of you do this so well. Ladies, can I get an amen? No, you didn't think that was funny? No, just a no. Okay, swing and a miss. Sometimes it's like that. Some of us know very, very well how to confront somebody with sin, but you do it in such a way that turns people off from you. And others of us are so scared to confront people in sin, we'd rather leave the relationship than actually address the issue. And so I want to talk to all of us. But there's a problem in our culture. Here's the problem. The problem is, whenever we want to address a sin in someone else's life, we're accused of, anybody know what the word is? Judging, right? It's like, hey, and we have phrases to defend ourselves against this. Things like, don't judge me, or only God can judge me, or who are you to judge? See, we have ways of defending ourselves against this, and what we're doing is we're defending ourselves from intimacy and we're defending ourselves from growing in Christ. Beloved, today we're going to talk about being real friends. Today's big idea is a simple one. Friends don't let friends stay in sin. Like if you're my friend, I, now, so if this is true, then and we're going to be a church that biblically and lovingly and spirit-filled confront each other with sin, then we're going, to know, we're going to need to know how to do that. Not only are we going to need to know how to do it, but here's the thing. We're going to need to know how to receive that. Because here's the thing. I'll listen to a sermon like this, and I'll go, oh my gosh, that's right. Judy and Susan and Frankie and Tyrone, they all need, to, they all need me to learn this message so that I can confront them on their sin. And never once think in my mind, oh my goodness. You, you, y'all are going to confront me? I, well, I don't want that part of the message. I'd rather talk about them, the, uh, the other people, the other sinners. I never want to talk about my sin. So there's two types of people. So one, you're, you're here, and you need to be confronted on your sin. And, and maybe your sin is your immaturity. You just you let your immaturity lead instead of the spirit leading. And when people confront you, you get defensive and ridiculous, and people can't, and it's a five-minute conversation turns into a 50-minute conversation because 45 of those minutes are you defending yourself and telling them what about you and all that jazz. You, listen, beloved, I'm not kidding. That's most of us. That's like 99% of us. That's a, that, you know who that is? That's the person sitting in your seat. And then there's others of us who are so afraid to do this and you're afraid because you're going to mess up and uh, what are they going to say and how are they going to respond and you're just afraid of the confrontation. Maybe you grew up in a family that had mega confrontation and you don't want that or other reasons. Here it is for you, beloved. Listen, I want you, I want you to be reduced to love. Like really love, not fake love. 
Not fake love. Not fake love that lets people walk around with the sin uh, of spinach in between their teeth, walking around, no big deal, who am I to judge? But like real love that goes, I love you so much. I want to have a conversation with you. But how do we do that? That's what we're going to learn here. And if you're interested, this is going to not only bless you with your friends, it'll bless you in your relationships, romantic ones. It'll bless you with your kids. So some of you don't even have a relationship with your parents because they, they know, they're, they're willing to confront. They just don't know how. And some of us, our kids don't want to have a relationship with us because it's the same deal. So what do you do? There's a million different places that we could have gone to the scriptures about this, but we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Remember, we're learning today. Friends, don't let friends stay in sin. You're not being a good uh, friend when you do that. You're being a superficial friend. Friends, don't let friends stay in sin. Let's see what Galatians Chapter 6 would say about this. Would you stand with me? One of the, the traditions we have in our church is to stand at the reading of God's word. And the reason that we stand at the reading of God's word is to be reminded that God's word has authority in our lives. And so we want you to, um, and, and by the way, if you're here and you go, no, God's word doesn't have an authority in our lives. Well, we just want to just reverence and respect what God has given us. And you're welcome to join us in that. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Paul, uh, the apostle, he's one of the uh, most influential men in history. Listen to me. He's one of the most influential men in history. Cathedrals. Forget cathedrals. Cities are named after this guy. You might have named your kid after this guy. The One of the most influential people in the world has shared by the power of the Spirit of God how we as a family can help each other when we're caught up in sin. Here it is. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one of you, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. This is really instructional for us, and this ends the reading of God's word. So, if we are, in fact, going to help our friends after they sin, if we're going to, if we help our friends, we help our friends after they sin, when we, I'm going to give you three things, they're going to stay up there the whole time, I just want you, I just want to drill these things into, into you. We help our friends um, after they sin, when we restore gently, carry burdens, test motives. 
restore gently, carry burdens, test motives. I'm going to start from the bottom and then work my way to the top, okay? Feeling a little bit like Drake right now, right? And so, do you guys, all right, my humor is not at all landing well today, okay? I get that. You guys are either not awake, get started from the bottom, now we're, no? Yeah, we got one guy, one guy. Okay, two people, okay. All right, so here we go. We help our friends after they sin when they, uh, um, we help our friends after they sin when we restore gently, carry burdens, test motives. Let's go to test motives first because I think it's important that we address our own heart before we address anyone else's heart. Do you see this in the text? Test motives. It's right here in verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Test your own actions. Okay, this is the thing about being married that's real, real tricky. When I'm upset at my wife's sin, I'm not upset at her sinning against the holy, perfect, and pure God. I'm upset that her sin is inconveniencing me. So my, my, the reason that I'm amped up, the reason that I'm all like agitated, the reason that I'm all worked up about this is not because I want to lead my wife to a holy walk with Christ, not because I want to extend the mercy of God that's been extended to me, but because I want to put her in a place so that she doesn't mess with my groove. And so listen. So if that's true, I've got to test my actions, or in other words, I want to test my motives. Edwin, por qué? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because I got to put her in a place. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Why are you really doing this? Because I want her to love God. No, 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 really. Why are you doing this? Oh. This is so tricky for me. I could honestly, when I'm addressing someone else's sin, I could almost stay here for weeks. Because I just, uh, I don't know what, it, I, I don't want good for them. I just don't want bad for me. And when I come to people like that, I come to them all amped up. This week, I failed so bad. Oh, you would have been ashamed of me. I'm in a, um, I'm counseling uh, premarital. We do premarital counseling here, you know, if you want to get married. It's like, oh, come on in. And this, uh, the, the, one of the potential spouses is like trying to test my gangster. <laughs> and for like three or four weeks, he's like, yo. And he's like pushing up on me and pushing up. And I'm like, well, you know, and all this other stuff. And this week it didn't go so well. I responded to him in a way that immediately I felt ashamed. He's not, I was like, oh, you knuckle cheese. And the reason was, is because I wanted to confront him on his sin, but I wanted to give him a piece of my mind. That was my motive. I needed to give him a piece of my mind. I needed to let him know, no, no, I'm not the one. And what a silly statement that is. I'm not, of course you're the one. You're the one that God has put there to love this person until they love Jesus more so that they don't respond like that. Of course I'm the one. But I just blew it and I was like, ah. That's the problem when we confront. We, we need to test 
our motives. So here's how you test your motives. Okay, if you aren't as brokenhearted about your sin as you are about their sin, you're not yet ready to confront them. Is that okay? Do you get what I'm saying? So here's the deal. So my wife, let's talk about my wife, right? We'll talk about my wife. She's here. She lets me talk about her. It's cool. So <clears throat> my wife is here. My wife's here, and she's been disrespectful towards me. Men, can I get an amen, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's just been disrespectful towards me. Amen. Yeah, we got a few. That, ladies not here. Men are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wife's not here. That's why you said it. Yeah. So she's being disrespectful towards me, right? And, and then I can either, at that moment, you, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This will not happen. I can go in that mode. Or I can go, wait. Jesus, can you remind me when I have been disrespectful towards you? You who are the husband, the church, whom we are together, gathered together, we're the bride. I have disrespected you. Can you remind me? Is this the way you feel when I disrespect you? When I trample on whatever you said or, or disregard you? Until I can weep about that, I'm not ready to let her, lead her to weep about her disrespect towards me. Now, when I do that, what I find is that I am, I move myself from being the person who's been slighted against and correcting her, or I remove myself from being where she's the biggest sinner in the room and I'm just this great saint trying to help her. But I come to the place where I am the biggest sinner in the room in more desperate need of grace from Jesus than she does. So I can approach her with tears. Gotta test your motives. Gotta test your motives. First thing, if we're gonna help our friends uh, after they sin, we gotta test our motives. Then we gotta be willing to carry burdens. Do you see that? In, in verse two, carry each other's burdens. Carry burdens. Now, here's the thing about carrying a burden. If you carry a burden, what you have to do is you have to put yourself where that person is. And secondly, you have to let a little bit of the weight that they're carrying come on your shoulders. Do you see how that works? Rob, come up here. I want to show you something. So if Rob is carrying a burden. So here's Rob's burden. Rob, I want you to just go ahead and put this on your shoulders if you can. All right, all right. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. So right, so Rob is carrying a burden, right? I see that Rob is carrying this burden. I see that he's suffering under it. And I go, oh, I'll pray for you. And then I walk away. It's not super helpful, right? Not super helpful. It's not what we're looking for when we're talking about the church being the church. When we're talking about the church being the church, we're talking about the church looking like Jesus to those who are carrying their burden. How long do you think he can carry this burden? Not long. But he, listen to me, listen to me. 
He won't be able, I won't be able to help if I just go, all right, well, if you need anything. No, 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 no. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. It's coming up alongside. Uh, this is inconvenient. This is hard. Uh, okay. It doesn't look pretty. It's not easy. But we do it. You know why? Because if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, we've got to do what Jesus did for us. And Jesus didn't just come alongside and take our burden. Jesus went ahead and took the whole thing on himself and sin and death and allowed sin and death to crush him so that you and I could be free from our burdens. Oh, beloved. That's why, thank you so much, Rob. That's why the text says, do you see what it says? It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, what you're doing when you're carrying each other's burdens, what you're doing is you're looking like Jesus. See, what this world needs is a bunch of people who look like Jesus. Hey, forget the world. What this church needs is a bunch of people who look like Jesus, but you can't look like Jesus till you look at Jesus. You'll never be able to look like Jesus until you gaze at Jesus and go, Jesus, this is what you did for me. Here's, this is not a person that I'm just going, okay, hey, pray for you. Hey, if you need anything, give me a call. Hey, no, 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 this is a, Jesus, Jesus, what did you do when I was caught up in my sin, when I was caught up in, in a mess? When, Jesus, what did you do with the burden that I carried? And so we're looking at Jesus, and the more we look at Jesus and experience his liberating me from my sin, liberating me from my burdens, when we experience more of that, when we see Jesus like that, then we're able to look like Jesus to others. Now, so we test our motives. We carry burdens. By the way, it'll always cost you. Carrying the burdens will always cost you. I'm telling you, it'll always cost you. You know what carrying a burden is like? Carrying a burden is like helping your friend move. Right? Has anybody here like ever volunteered? Oh, you're moving? Me, me, me. Can I go? Can I go? I never want to go. I never want to go. I always pray when somebody's moving, I always pray that I am somewhere in like Czechoslovakia or somewhere else where I can honestly tell them, oh, I'm sorry. I can't, I, I, you know I would. You know I would. Czechoslovakia. Planned it months ago. See, here's the thing. When you're going to help people with burdens, it's going to burden you. But that's what we're called to do, isn't it? That as we look at Jesus being burdened for our sake, I didn't deserve the help that he gave me. I didn't deserve the love that he gave me. I didn't deserve the mercy and the patience. Because carrying burdens can be patience expanding, can't it? I didn't deserve any of that. And Jesus came up without my permission. He came up and just, I'll carry that for you. Give me that burden, that guilt, that shame. We got to test our motives. We got to carry our burdens, and then we got to restore gently. We got to restore gently. Do you see that? And now we're back up in verse one. 
Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, before I go to restore gently, can I just say the different ways of being caught in a sin that I think this text is kind of alluding to? So there's the kind of caught in, oh man, we have no time. Okay, so there's the kind of being caught in a sin that's like, you know, like I got a blind spot. You know how like you know what color my eyes are, but I don't know the color of my eyes unless I like get something to reflect it back at me. You know what I mean? I can't tell. And you remember the illustration with the spinach? I can't tell. I don't know. Sometimes we're caught up in the sin and we don't know it. And the, and the sin might be anything. You just like, you might be abrasive. Like you just might be abrasive. And you make everybody like feel like they have to walk on eggshells around you. You don't know it. You don't see it. It's spinach tucked between your teeth. And so maybe the person is caught in sin in that way. And boy, it takes, oh, you have, there's so much humility that you need. And by the way, it talks about the, 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 the gently part of the restoration, you know, restore gently. It's humbly, again, remember, looking back at Jesus. So maybe you're caught up that way. You don't see it, and someone confronts you. Now, if you are the person that they're confronting, you need humility too. And here's what I promise. Anyone who practices this sermon after this will get it wrong. I promise. I promise that we will not do it well. No one does. And it's never the right time. And they were always, their presentation was always too harsh or too whatever. whatever. You have to be willing to be, Jesus, I need to look at Jesus. Again, I'm looking at Jesus. We're all looking at Jesus. The person who's confronting on the sin and the person who's being confronted on the sin. Just look to Jesus. Jesus, is there something here? I remember Billy Graham, uh, he said this. Billy Graham said, um, I've turned my critics into coaches. Isn't that like a good statement? Because it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that they were coming at him all hard body. It didn't matter that they were coming at him all like, you know, terrible and disrespectful. Was there a nugget of truth that they needed to learn from? So if you're blind to your own sin, then you might feel blind, uh, blindsided by the correction. But listen to me. Humility. So that you might be caught up in sin like that. You're caught, but you don't know you're caught. Or you might be caught up in sin like caught in the grip. Like you know you're in sin, but you don't care. Like this is something, like you are driven by the powerful drive. It's the alcoholic who drinks the next beer even though he doesn't want to. It's the crackhead who hits the stem even though he doesn't want to. It's the, it's it's the person who has just a flirtatious uh, relationship at work and doesn't want to stop walking by that cubicle or walking by that area in the factory to talk to the whoever. Maybe you're in the grip, and if someone comes up to you, man, I remember um, uh, Pastor Gus did this gift to me. And I thought it was innocent, but when he said it, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize it. So there was this, uh, he was in my office and there was another person in my office. And I said, listen, mama. And then I told her whatever I was going to tell her. And I just said, listen, mama. And then I told her whatever I was going to tell her. He said, I don't, he goes, don't you call your wife mama? He's like, yeah. Goes, Does that feel a little too familiar to you? It's not something I saw. It's not something that I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to, um, com, uh, to share it with you, confess it with you. But that's a good friend, isn't it? 
and someone who prayed. He didn't tell me in that moment. I think it was a day or two afterwards. He obviously prayed. And he came up to me and he said, I was like, ah. Maybe you're caught. Maybe you're caught blindly. Maybe you're caught, like caught in the grip. Or maybe, or maybe you're caught like walking down a blind alley and you didn't think anybody would see you. And then all of a sudden, <gasps> you're caught like that. You know, the kind of caught where you're not really repentant, but you could still cry and say you're sorry, even though you have every intention of doing it again. Like you weren't ready to stop this. And then, like, maybe you're caught like that. Okay. It's what happens when your wife comes in a little bit earlier than you thought and your computer is clicked onto something terrible. It's what happens when uh, the bills come in and your husband sees and goes, Uh, honey, what is this charge for? It's what happens when the truant officer, I don't even know if they do this anymore. They put the, the letters, yeah, the card. Remember that? Yeah, we're, we're, they're probably sending an email now. But, um, but it, you didn't make it to the post, you know, to the thing soon enough. And so, I don't know. But you're caught. You're caught. It's when, when your mom is cleaning out your pants and putting it in the laundry and she finds a dime bag. You're caught. It's not something you were, and then you, what, what do you do? This is my friend. This is my friend. Because everybody knows that only people who, <laughs> the only people who have dime bags in their pockets are friends of people who smoke weed, not people who actually smoke weed. We all know that. My friend. You ladies laugh, but that's true with condoms, too. You catch that in your boyfriend's and it's like, hey, it's not your friend. It's in your car. It's yours, Papa. I don't care who you lent it to. But you're caught. You're caught. It's funny, only if it's not happening to you. You're caught. What do you do? You recognize that Jesus is creating a moment right there for, it's a mercy. It's a severe mercy. He's creating a moment where he can turn your heart from something that is going to destroy your life. As the singers come up, beloved, in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. What do we do with a message like this? Where we test our motives, where we carry our burdens, where we restore gently. What do we do? Here, listen to me. Right now, there is a bunch of you here who can think of what you wanted to tell, the critical thing that you wanted to tell your spouse. And I just want to say, there's a bunch of you, or a bunch of things that you wanted to tell your mom, or your kids, or your next door neighbor, or whatever. Listen to me. If you're eager to confront someone on their sin, you're not ready. Just pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Okay. Secondly, there's another group of people, and you go, I don't know how else, how I can do this. Here's, you need to, again, both of you, if you're eager and if you're reluctant, you both need to look to Jesus so that you could look like Jesus. You just need to go, Jesus, okay, just help me to see how their sin is just like my sin. And it's, it's not hard to do, right? Like I've never, I've never had an issue with gambling, but I know what it's like to be driven by a powerful drive. I know what it's like to say yes when I wanted to say no. I know what it's like to 
to go towards something that I know is only going to hurt me and those around me. I know what that's like. And so I don't have to have experience with gambling to confront somebody with gambling. I can just recognize by looking to Jesus and going, how is their struggle like my struggle? So we look to Jesus. And then secondly, beloved, humility and patience. Somebody say humility and patience. It's what I need. It's what you need. Humility and patience. Oh, but I've confronted them three or four times on this. How many times do I need to confront them on this? I don't know. How many times has Jesus addressed you on your sin? Oh, it's been a lot. Okay, well, let's start there. Let's start there. Marriages. Some of you might need to. And friendships and relationships, this is not just for marriages. This is for everyone. You just might need to repent about how you confront um, people. But here's what we're not going to be. We're not going to be a church who plays it safe. We're going to be a church who, who surrenders. And the way we're going to do that is by looking at Jesus, we're going to look like Jesus by testing our motives, carrying our burdens, and restoring others gently. My prayer is that that's your story. Let that be your story. I'm going to pray for you. Would you stand with me as I pray for you? Is there anyone here who needs prayer? And here's a specific prayer. I want to pray for you if you need prayer because you're unapproachable. You're unapproachable. When people come to you uh, addressing sin, you deflect, you defend, you... Is there anyone else here? You're unapproachable. Okay, there's one. Okay, that God would humble your hearts and make you more approachable. Okay, awesome. I see your hand as well. I see. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends. I pray, Lord, that you would, by your spirit, remind them that they are already accepted in Christ, that all the love and all the affection that they've ever desired or are looking for is found in you. Lord, would you please remind them that even if no one else in this world loves them, You love them. That if they feel confronted and criticized by many, you are pursuing them with great affection. And that the way you pursue them in great affection is by using others to confront them on their sin. Lord, would you help them to confess this defensiveness when it comes up and to humble them to rest on you? And Lord, would you by your spirit Help them to see Jesus as their security, not others' opinions, so that when others share with them what they see, they can still find their security in you. And Father, for the rest of us who want to confront sin or are afraid to confront sin, 
that you would, by your spirit, move deeply in our hearts, drawing us to yourself, and help us to test our own motives. Help us, oh God, to carry our own burdens and to restore others gently, even as we want to be restored. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.